Good morning, good friends, and welcome to worship at Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church. We are so glad that you have found your way to this sanctuary through Facebook Live, through Spotify, or through our website. We're glad you're with us on this Transfiguration Sunday. The word transfiguration means to be changed. And so we come to worship no matter where we are. We come here together gathered uh, with a radical faith and hope that by our worship together, we might be ourselves changed in some way. A few important announcements before we begin with worship. Please note that this Wednesday, believe it or not, begins our Lenten season with Ash Wednesday. A few important invitations to share with you all. First and foremost, at noon, we will begin uh, on a weekly basis to gather for intercessory prayer through Zoom. Our service at noon will take 15 or 20 minutes, and if you'd like to be a part of that, then we invite you to find that link in our weekly church email or contact our church office for more information. From 4 until 6 o'clock on Ash Wednesday, you're invited to come here to uh, the campus of Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church. You will be guided through a self-guided worship experience if it's not raining, uh, two or three stations outside. And then individually, you'll be invited to come down our center aisle here at the sanctuary where there will be a chance for you to receive an imposition of ashes. Um, It will be self-imposed, and I will be here along um, with others to help in in that regard. And then at 6.30, we will gather on Facebook Live for our traditional Ash Wednesday service. We are trying here at Selwyn to remain connected and to share with one another our joys and concerns. This, of course, has been made more difficult due to the long time that we've been apart from one another. We invite you to, jo- to always share your joys and your concerns in our chat feed this morning, but also know that we will begin next Sunday a uh, time of passing of the peace after worship for 15 or 20 minutes on Zoom. You should receive more information about that this coming week, and we look forward to reconnecting in, in real tangible ways beginning next week. Um, Also, if you are a youth or you have a youth that lives in your household, please note that next Sunday is Youth Sunday, where we will all enjoy being guided and led in worship by our young people. Uh, Now is the time for you to sign up for trips if that has not happened, and now is also the time to make sure you've done your part for Youth Sunday if you haven't turned that in to Margot yet. Uh, If you are a visitor, we're especially glad that you're here with us. We know that we have folks worshiping with us near and far. And so if you are not a regular worship here with us at Selwyn, consider yourself um, amongst friends. Last but not least, um, the flowers here in our sanctuary this morning are given in honor of uh, our very own Angie Madigan, Um, in memory of Angie and in honor of her family, Matt Madigan, Olivia, and Patrick Madigan by Matt's aunt. Um, We are together with all the saints on this Sunday morning. Let us now prepare our hearts to worship God. Yeah. 
join me in our call to worship. God speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Our God comes and does not keep silence. God calls to the heavens above and to the earth that God may bring justice to God's people. The heavens declare God's right and just relations for all the people of the earth. In the transformation story, Jesus' clothes became dazzling white, a sign of resurrection out of the violence the world inflicted upon him. Resurrection reminds us that the brokenness of the world and our lives will not have the last word. God's love, compassion, and righteousness will not be conquered. So. Let us make an honest confession before God and one another. Join me in the prayer of confession. Merciful God, even when we see your love and justice transfigured before us, we cower in fear of what it would mean to follow your way in the world. We wonder what it might cost to be the cycles of Jesus Help us to listen to Jesus and watch for him among us. Empower us to be formed by his life. Restore in us the confidence to be cyclists. Amen. Just as a cloud overshadowed the disciples in the Transfiguration story, and just as they heard a voice speak of Jesus 
as God's beloved, so too are we God's beloved people. Take heart and be restored to your right standing as a beloved child of God. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. This morning, we continue with our sermon series, Walking with Jesus. Together, we're working through the Gospel of Mark. We've heard of Jesus' baptism. We've seen him sleeping, calming the storm, healing the demonically possessed man. And now, on this Transfiguration Sunday, we meet Jesus, Peter, James, and John on their way up the mountain. Peter has just declared Jesus is the Messiah, and Jesus has told him to keep quiet. Jesus then openly foretells of his death and resurrection. Peter gets upset, and Jesus tells him to stop worrying about such human things. Let us now walk with Jesus up the mountain. I'll be reading Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 10. Let us listen now for God's word. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one of what they had seen and until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matters to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead could mean. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Every week, I am fortunate enough to spend about an hour with 10 of our confirmands on Zoom before our worship service. These dedicated eighth graders are studying and questioning and searching to develop deeper faith and belief for themselves. To show one's faith during a time of uncertainty is genuinely inspiring. And to show up week after week on Zoom when all you want to do is throw your computer out the window is very inspiring. About two months ago, I was having a conversation with them about God in the world. And one confirmand sent me a note in the Zoom chat. And they asked where they should go or where they should look to find God in daily life. Our confirmands are currently working with their mentors on writing faith statements. 
that they'll read to the session in a few months. If any of you have ever been fortunate enough to listen to someone declare their faith through a faith statement, then you will possibly understand what I'm about to say. Every year that I'm given this great honor to hear them profess their faith, I always hear something similar. I hear faithful and curious youth say something along the lines of, I haven't had one of those mountaintop moments. One of those moments where I see Jesus glowing in white. One of those moments where I feel God so close I could touch him. But I know people who have, or I've heard stories from people at church. I wish I could have one of those moments. It would make things a lot easier. And I totally understand why our compromands desire a mountaintop moment. Faith is difficult. As humans, so often we desire something tangible we can hold in our hands. We long to climb the mountain and to find Jesus glowing, or to, better yet, to receive direction from God's voice through the clouds. And so often when we hear scripture read and proclaimed at church, we listen to people talking about those mountaintop moments, turning points in people's faith, moments where the sky opens, healing stories, moments of the divine that simply can't be explained. Today's reading, among with many others throughout the Bible, describes a time and a place where Jesus took a few disciples up on the mountain to pray. We call this story the transfiguration of Jesus because it's the epiphany of all epiphanies. This is a story of a thin place, a place where the presence of God was so tangible that no one could ignore it. Peter and James and John might have thought that they were journeying up a mountain to pray, but when they reached the top, something amazing and mysterious happened. The disciples could not miss the divine presence of Jesus illuminated. And alongside Jesus was uh, Jesus the Messiah, was Moses the law, and Elijah the prophet. So there it was, the law, the prophet, the Messiah. They were present as if time were nothing. Moses had been dead for nearly a millennium, and Elijah for eight centuries. And suddenly, there they were, having a conversation with Jesus. That's when Peter did the most human thing. How could he let a moment like this slip away? Everything finally made sense to him. And so he said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. The dwellings that he was suggesting would have been tents or tabernacles, so they probably would have taken some time to build, giving him and the other disciples hopefully a little bit more time to sit in the beauty of what was happening before their eyes. Peter wanted to freeze the moment, to celebrate the past and to memorialize it. He tried to hold tight to the divine presence so that nothing could change. That's why I say he did the most human thing, I know I can indeed identify with that, and I imagine some of you might be able to. You see, when we experience those thin places in our lives, those moments that our curious compromands speak about and desire, we naturally want to hold on to them. We want to freeze time to protect those moments and those places. 
As Lori said, transfiguration literally means to be changed. And this change that we read about is disorienting and unfamiliar. Peter, James, and John walked up a mountain under clouds of uncertainty. For the man that they had been following, the one who had been healing and had been teaching, had just mentioned that he would have to die. Jesus's transfiguration couldn't have been a more clear visual for the disciples. They couldn't ignore what was happening in front of them. But what does that mean for us? For those of us holding on to mountaintop moments that we've experienced and for those wishing for bright lights of certainty. I think that maybe the disorientation or the unfamiliar or the fatigue from climbing somehow breaks us down. It somehow allows us to open up enough, just enough to hear the voice of God. Not always the voice from the clouds, but the small voice. I shared with our compromands that many of my personal mountaintop experiences, or how I would describe them, those thin places that I remember in my faith journey, were when I was least expecting it, or sometimes when I felt really distant from God. Moments where my breath was taken away by natural beauty, moments of death and change and uncertainty, moments where I was just plain worn out, times when I was alone or starting a new chapter of life. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I imagine some of you can relate to that also. Mark tells us that Jesus leads these three disciples to this thin place by having them hike up this mountain apart and by themselves. They were away from the big group. They had left the distractions of home life behind. They were probably exhausted, focusing on just one foot in front of the other as they took strides up the mountain. Jill Duffield interprets that part of the text beautifully. She says that something significant and otherworldly and pivotal is about to happen. And in order to perceive it, even partially, ordinary human beings need to be jolted out of their comfort zones. And that's what we see in Mark's account. In this scripture, Jesus leads us away from our normal places so that we may see him transfigured. For some of us, this season of life may feel like Jesus is taking us on a physical climb up a mountain, and that mountain may feel like Everest. For others, perhaps it's a metaphorical climb, a clearing of mental space, clearing of busy schedules, so that you can recenter and be more intentional with yourself and with those that you love. But one thing is for sure, and I know you know this to be true, change is happening all around us. The ways we communicate, the ways we learn and study, our communities, our relationships, how we stay in touch, so much. So please know that I don't speak of change lightly this morning. I know that it's terrifying. We fear change because it means that the outcome's unknown. And our brains are designed to find peace in knowing. When we don't know what will happen, we make up scenarios and create worry. During moments of change, we are given a few options, though. We could resist the change. We could embrace the change. We could walk slowly into the change following people in front of us. And we can ignore the change. 
Jesus's transfiguration is about so much more than bright light and confirmation that he's the Messiah. Jesus's transfiguration shows us the beauty that can be seen when we follow him. The places in scripture where Jesus calls us to go are often overwhelming because of the unknown. But I do wonder what would happen if we were able to go to those parts and places on our own, if we were able to stay open, to stay alert, to welcome the uncomfortable. I wonder if like Peter, we would be overwhelmed with the power of God. Lori phrased it beautifully in our Faith Lab podcast this week. We were talking about change and she said, if change is happening around you, it usually is a sign that something new is happening. And odds are God's involved in those happenings. On the mountaintop with Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, God was revealing a greater story that was not yet over. Peter and James and John's revelation of Jesus as the Messiah was not the end of their journey. That's why Jesus told them to keep quiet. God was on the move. And while Peter wanted to add time and to stay with God on that mountaintop for as long as he could, a cloud from above was cast over them and a promise and commandment were spoken. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And just like that, the disciples were walking alone down the mountain in silence to the worlds that they had left behind. Throughout the season of Epiphany and throughout this preaching series, we've been able to catch glimpses of who Jesus is. We've seen his power and his love and his forgiveness. And now we've been reminded that his story is not yet complete. In moments of change, we are transformed. And through that transformation, we are called to participate in that continuing story. Next Wednesday, this Wednesday, is Ash Wednesday, and it's the beginning of Lent. Over the next 40 days, we will focus on what it means to practice discipleship and walk with Jesus faithfully. Faith is not strengthened solely through mountaintop moments, but through moments up and down the mountain where we follow Jesus and allow ourselves to embrace change. So to our curious confirmands, we may never see firsthand as Peter and James and John, the glory of God fully revealed in Jesus Christ's transfiguration, but that's okay. Because you and I have our own mountain, our own story, our own moment when God turns change into something meaningful, when God turns joyful into something absolutely miraculous, when God transfigures the ordinary into unmistakable revelation of God's love for us. As we journey through Lent, may we remember the transformation that comes with change. May we remember the curiousness of our confirmands who remind us to look for God in the world, on the mountaintops and in the ordinary, in times of terrifying change and in times of delight at what's been revealed. Let us remember that through it all, we are walking with Jesus. May it be so for us all. Amen. Now, having heard God's word, um, let us now respond in faith, together affirming what we believe using the Belhar Confession. 
We believe in one holy universal Christian church, the communion of saints called from the entire human family. We believe in Christ's work of reconciliation is made manifest in the church as the community of believers who have been reconciled with God and with one another. We believe unity is therefore both a gift and an obligation for the church of Jesus Christ. And through the working of God's spirit, it is a binding force, yet simultaneously a reality which must be earnestly pursued and sought, one which the people of God must continually build to attain. We believe that unity must become visible so that the world may believe that separation, enmity, and hatred between people and groups in sin which Christ has already conquered, and accordingly that everything which threatens this, this unity may have no place in the church and must be restric rest <laughs> restricted. We believe this unity of the people of God must be manifest and be active in the variety of ways that we love one another, that we experience practice and pursue community with one another, that we are obligated to give ourselves willingly and joyfully to the benefit and the blessing of one another, that we share one's faith, have one calling, are one soul and one mind.
Let us pray. God of the beloved, God of light, God who calls to us, we bring ourselves before you so that we may have a glimpse of your glory. We seek you in earnest in our daily lives. Whether we are on a mountaintop basking in the light or in a valley that seems dark and cold, God, we know that you are ever present in all the moments of our lives. God, we thank you that you never leave us and you never forsake us. You greet us in the morning with the sun and usher us through the night with the moon. The birds sing songs of your provision while the crickets hum the gift of peace. The butterfly reminds us of the power of waiting and change while the budding flower calls us to have patience in the seasons of life. How great thou art. Your face, God, is the face of our brothers and sisters, those who walk with us in this life. Your joy is in those who we laugh with, and your comfort is in those whom we cry. Your grace is in our friends who offer help and support during a pandemic. Your love is in the meals made for our neighbors, in the warm space provided for our friends at GEP. How great thou art. Lord, we pray for those mountaintop moments of thundering voices and dazzling light, the burning bush. But may we also remember that like Elijah, your presence is even powerful in the silence. Your presence, God, is so mighty, you move the silence to speak in a still, small voice. How great thou art. With open hearts and minds, God, grant us the courage to continue to bear witness to your grace in the world, in creation, in the people around us, in our daily lives. May we learn to love one another deeper and wider, following Christ into the world, your beloved, your Son, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God told the disciples to listen to Jesus on the mountaintop, and Jesus invited them to follow him. As we walk with Jesus, I wonder the ways in which he is extending the call to each one of us. Is there a nudge to explore God in creation, in silence, in prayer? The opportunity to serve a neighbor with a meal, a letter, or a phone call. Maybe you are interested in learning more about the community here at Selwyn or would like to offer planned financial giving. During our anthem, we invite you to contemplate where God may be With hearts of gratitude, let us turn to God with our offerings.
and offer our prayer of dedication in unison. We give you thanks, O God, for the gifts we have received from your good creation. We now ask your blessing upon the gifts we offer here today so that they might be a sign of our commitment to serve you in all that we are and do. Amen. Friends, as you go from this place, hold fast to the one who always holds fast to you. And may God's line shine on the glory of your hearts. May Christ be with you and never leave you. And may the Spirit renew the image of God within you now and forever. Amen.